All right. Welcome to the show, Chandler Walker. We are rounding third base to episode 100 here on the Big Ticket Life. And so we're at Chandler on the show to kind of bring the fire, bring the heat. Chandler, welcome to the Big Ticket Life. Yeah, good to be here. After that opening, I think I should have walked out on stage with some Snoop Dogg playing, like raised the roof and, and helped you take over the world because I'm ha- I'm amped. Let's Let's do this. Love it. Love it. Well, we're here to talk about sales objections. And, you know, this is a topic, I think, where people can either gravitate or repel for a myriad of reasons. You know, there's many ways to skin a cat, but I think your your way to go about sales, I really like, I really groove with because it's what I do in my life personally. Take the pressure out, put the ease in, and really just, you know, I, I have a saying, selling in 2023 is pretty old school. You should be affirming. Get to the point of affirmation. And so I'll kick it off with this question. What is it that you just do not like about selling and how have you overcome that? Uh, you've got a really great, successful career. Uh, you've, you've certainly demonstrated there's a way to uh, skin the cat in a more comfortable game to make a sale. So let's dig in there. What is it that you don't like about selling? And we'll just go from there. Yeah, good question. So when I was building my first business, I figured out obviously that I needed to make sales in order to move forward. And I started hiring coaches. And the problem with the coaches is they were telling me, you've got to push for the clothes. If they cry, they buy. You got to stick them with the knife and turn it a little bit. And and I just never felt good about that. I I was on a path to med school. I, I studied biochem in college. I opened up my first brick and mortar that was a wellness facility. Everything I did was built around helping people get better. And so I feel felt like as I was building my business and learning how to do sales by being manipulative and focusing on these aggressive tactics, I was going against my own being. I was going against who I was. I wasn't helping people. I was setting myself up for a career to where I was pretending like I was here to help people, but I was manipulating them to make a decision. It felt like a complete farce to me. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's interesting that you would use those descriptors of what sales coaches would tell you to go do. You know, in uh, there, one of my businesses, mattress industry. Um, there's a we have a group, a private Facebook group, and uh, you know, there's often talk about sales and sales technique and sales tactics. And it's you know, listen, there there are people in that group who've probably reached levels of success that I haven't, and then there's others that are on the way up. But it really dawned on me. I, I wonder how there or collective customer would feel reading that how would how would the customers that those sales coaches are through putting their advice and input into into you and others how would they say things differently would they speak differently would they think about the people that we transact business with differently if they had a, 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 an eye if you will an ear into those conversations yeah, 100%. I think one of the problems with traditional sales is people get so wrapped up in just getting someone to make a decision, they forget that they're speaking to an actual human being. And ultimately, I think the problem with this at the end of the sale is we get a lot of refund requests. So people come back, they have buyer's remorse, they didn't want to do it, they changed their mind. And that's ultimately the result of those aggressive and manipulative tactics. And so I think if we think about the actual person we're talking to and my viewpoint is always from the best interest of who I'm talking to, the best interest of the person that I'm selling to, so I can help them understand from an emotional viewpoint and a logical viewpoint why what they're doing makes sense or doesn't. Sometimes part of the sales process is telling someone 
that they shouldn't do this right now, that this isn't the best fit for them, that maybe they should wait, maybe they should think about it. Because the more you push them, the more they make an emotional decision. Then when logic kicks in, they're like, oh, what did I do? I don't want to do this. Can I send it back? Can I return it? I, I think I made a mistake. And you see this a lot in like the coaching industry. You see this a lot in, in most of these emotionally driven sales related industries. Yeah. Yeah. There's always, it's always the right way, the right thing to do when it's the right thing for the customer. You know, as an, again, as an example, uh, I know many times our sales team at the store has helped people who've been dissatisfied with a recent purchase. Their back still hurts. Their neck still hurts. They're not sleeping great, but it's only a year or two years in and they're a little frustrated. And we just take a different approach rather than sell them something else again. We say, well, you invested in something pretty nice. And what happened is the prior person did you a disservice by not explaining all that can go along with that mattress. We can make it a system where the head and the foot elevate, where we relieve that back pressure. And it really seems like that's what you need the most. So rather than throwing everything out, let's put this engine underneath that you can have for multiple mattress purchases down the road. But if you truly have back issues, if you truly have snoring issues, restless leg, all these issues you're communicating, let's get that under there and then come back and see if a mattress, if you know, we need, they left out the position. They talked about support. They talked about comfort. They left out the position change. Let's get the position change in there and see what happens. More often than not, those people are really, really happy. Uh, it's about affirming that you've got the right fit to me. That's, that's where I go. Let's. Let's go with a little bit of a pivot. You know, you've you've had multiple businesses, one of which you had to make a big change in the last few years. You had a brick and mortar facility. Tell me a little bit about that. And then the shift into being an online practice due to COVID. Yeah, that was the the era known as COVID. It was one of the most interesting eras that we've gone through. And so when I opened my brick and mortar in 2013, we were a wellness facility. So I originally was on a med school path. I wanted to help people because I grew up with a bipolar mom and I figured and I understood that. There was no help for her in my younger years. It was basically people told her to smile. There's nothing wrong with you. And then ultimately, when I got into my 20s and later in life, they actually figured out that there was a problem. But she learned how to sort of self-manage herself. And that led me to open this brick and mortar. And we were centered around six pillars of wellness. So it was mental health, social health, sleep, nutrition, fitness, and habits. And we had a fairly high ticket service up front. So people would come in. They'd pay anywhere from 800 to like 3 to 5K to work with us. And then as we moved into 2015, 2016, I started to recognize that the online world was building and I wanted to get our business into a global scale. So as we were growing, I started building up an app. We started building up the entire curriculum online. We built up a coaching system online. And then, unbeknownst to me, the pandemic hit and everybody got shut down. Fortunately for us, I had an offer to sell the brick and mortar just before the pandemic shut everyone out. And I was able to completely pivot shift online and we grew 1800% year over year. Now, for wow. me, I'm going to write a book and pretend like I predicted that, how I predicted the pandemic <laughs> and blew my business up. But in reality, right, it was just right. like I was prepared because I had the online stuff set up and then it was a happy accident yeah. that someone wanted to buy it. And then even better that we were just shifted completely online. So the pandemic ended up being a blessing for us. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think the takeaway there is you were constantly, you were focused ahead. You weren't just sitting 2013. Um, that's and years ago and soon to be 11, right? Like time flies. It's crazy. But you were, you were looking ahead, building that foundation. And then it was easier 
to make that shift. Um, so let's take that back into the sales conversation. What are things that people who sell stuff to other people, you know, what are ways to get out of that stagnant mode? Like, I think it's really easy to come into your place of business if you're brick and mortar, walk in the same way you do, park in the same spot you do, and plump down and go about your day. I think it's real easy if you're in a virtual office, turn on the computer, look at where you pick up where you left off yesterday. It's really easy to get into this mode of stagnation. What are some ways that you feel sales folks can be looking ahead in their career uh, so that when these shifts happen and they will, let's hope, let's hope we don't have to go through what we went through two, three years ago. But um, there's always going to be changes. And for some people, they're massive changes. Where do you find it's easy to get out of that stagnation? Yeah, I think what you have to look at when you're building it from a business owner perspective, what happens a lot of the time is we get stuck doing like meaningless tasks every single day that have no bearing in our future whatsoever. And so the way I organize my day is typically, I, I really like the Pomodoro technique where we go 20, 25 minutes of work, five minutes of rest. And I'll take that and I'll organize that range, like 30 minutes into blocks. And I'll put my day into organized blocks. And those blocks are red, yellow, and green. So the red is things I have to critically do that are going to drive revenue. The yellow are things that are kind of in the middle and green, I'm going to outsource to a VA or anybody else who can do it because it's going to waste my time. So number one, I think if you're under the 1 million a year mark in revenue, your only goal in life is to sell. You have to be able to put yourself in a position to where you can sell enough to start constraining your operational system so that way you can actually grow and build your operations down the road. I think too many people focus on operations up front. And while it's important, if you don't make any sales, who cares what kind of operations you have? And plus, right. if you're under 1 million in revenue, you can you don't need much more than a five-person team, if that, to operate this business. So at the beginning, it's, it's sell. It's push your ego aside. It's recognize that it's going to be uncomfortable, that you're going to be in positions that you don't want to be in. But if you want to grow and expand who you are in, in your business, then you have to be able to push past that and push the needle. Yeah. Yeah, it's... It's funny you would bring that up about building systems, about building process procedure before selling anything. You can, I, I see a lot of folks write out this amazing business plan. They got the SOPs, you know, written out, communicated out, whatever platform it might be. Um, and then I look around like, all right, well, who's, who's, who's selling stuff around here? Um, it really, that should be the first process you build. What is your process to sell things? should be the very first uh, thing that gets done. So from your view, where do you, you, cause you mentioned it, where does that uncomfortability come in and selling for some people? Yeah, good question. I think the uncomfortable aspect of selling comes from the same thing that makes people uncomfortable to interact with each other. Fear of rejection. That's the reason people don't walk in the bar and just ask everybody to marry them. It's the reason that people don't want to go knock on doors and sell. It's the reason people don't actually open a business. It's the reason people work a dead-end job for the rest of their lives. It's because they're afraid of rejection. They're afraid of failure. They're afraid of what are people going to say if this doesn't work out. And ultimately, I think that fear, especially in sales, it puts us in a prison. We're afraid to ask for the sale. We're afraid to communicate with people. We're afraid to get on a phone. And then ultimately, we tell ourselves a story that helps align us with why that's true. And unfortunately, that story, because it becomes truth, keeps people in this stagnant prison that they get stuck in. Hmm. Yeah, that's very, very good. Very good. So where do you feel that fear of rejection comes in from? It's, is that from 
They just didn't get the right training in a prior sales job, but they still like the sales thing. So they're just shifting gears into another company. Or is it something deeper? You know, you touched on, I think you touched on that a little bit with your, uh, your wellness facility. Your mother had, uh, a mental health, uh, bipolar, I think it was. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So is there, is there something deep down that like sets people back in that fear of rejection? Have you found? And how do we help people get out of that? Yeah, hundred percent. And so I think this stems from childhood. Everything that we have a problem with and that we struggle with stems from something that happened in our childhood that creates the impact and triggers that haunt us to this day. And ultimately, I think the big thing that makes most, most Americans, most people afraid of rejection is the school system. When you're going through school, you look at a kid who's four or five years old, under five, they ask a million questions. They're always talking. They could care less about whether or not they offend someone or if they say something stupid. The second they get into school age and they start going to school, all of a sudden they're, they stop asking questions. They're afraid to ask questions. They don't want to be wrong. They're afraid to look stupid. And so mm-hmm. I think the problem is we create this public ridicule of people in the school system to where they're afraid. They don't want to be wrong. Someone calls on you in, in class and you're wrong and every kid makes fun of you. The teacher tells you that it was wrong. There's no appreciation for the process. And I think that's what kills people. There's, there's no appreciation for the fact that you went through a process, that you built the process, that you understood something and the gears were turning, but ultimately you were wrong. And so I think if we want to fix and change that, we have to be able to shift into a mindset to where we can actually appreciate and celebrate the processes people go through to make decisions, even if it's wrong. Really like that. Love that. Uh, I've never thought about it that up to four kids are just free form out there asking questions. One of my things daily is to ask a very good question. You know, whether it might be about business, it might be about life, it might be about relationships, it might be about my kids. But, you know, that's one thing that's in your head that just gets your brain working, gets that organ pumping, working hard all day long, really thinking, kind of pushing out the noise of what society and what we would almost voluntarily put on ourselves. But um, asking good questions, I think, is one of the most powerful things. So I'll put this to you. Are there good questions you ask yourself daily? It could be about business, could be about life, relationships. I think for me, and that's a good question as well. So for me, what question I think about... Question. Exactly. Let's keep asking questions. Like this is called downward arrow level, techniques. In, inception level questions. Yeah. What do you think about that? What do you think about that? Well, when you said that, what do you think about that? And so for me, I'm... I sometimes get lost in thought. I, I often, it, especially when I'm driving, I, I'm, I'm thinking the whole time. Sometimes I don't know how I teleported to the place that I, I ended up while driving. And so I'm, all, I'm constantly asking myself, was today, what did I accomplish today? When I had that conversation with that person, what happened there? How did that go? Why did it go that way? I have a four-year-old. So was I in a place to where I was there to facilitate her best experience with life today? This week, what happened? How did things go? And I've, I've found that if I constantly question myself and not questioning myself from like a place of, hey, like, why'd you do this? You suck. But questioning myself from what did I do? How did I do it? Why did I do it? And what did that process look like? It puts me in the state of forever thinking and, and just going all over the place with who I am and why I'm here and where, who I'm becoming. And ultimately, I really start thinking about what's going on and why. And if you can see that video there, I'm teaching my daughter how to do Irish boxing. So we're up here. It, it was one of that real had like 15 million views, but this is, this is the kind of things that I do. It, it's sitting here and it's questioning the experience, questioning the, the things we go through, questioning the why and trying to understand what am I, what, what I'm, what am I even doing and, and where am I headed? Yeah. Yeah. Love it. That 
so 15 million views on that one. That thing blew up. Yeah, it, it, yeah. it was that no one had kidding. 15. There was three in a row, 15 million on that one. Then the next one had like 12 and the next one had like 700,000 or something. Went absolutely ballistic. I want to, uh, so I want to get back to that. I have a couple questions about that, but Dave Gatto just tuned in. Uh, Chandler, you would love Dave's story. Um, uh, so David, if you're still watching, still listening, man, stay tuned, chime in with some comments because Chandler, Dave's a guy who, you know, ran into the law, got into the court system, you know, penal system, uh, came out and, um, you know, I can share this because he, he shared it publicly, but this is a guy who sales saved his life. And he would readily tell you that this is a guy who, uh, just started door knocking, going around asking, can I clean your gutters? Can I paint your house? And eventually found his way to fencing and realized that fencing a lot of people want. There's a great value there. People need it. It's difficult to put in. And now he's got, uh, future, I believe it's called future solutions fencing in York, Pennsylvania, fantastic company, growing it. He's getting into the podcasting space. I've been watching him. He just built a whole uh, studio in his warehouse or in his office. Um, but David is a guy who has seen a lot, done a lot. And um, I just wanted to shout him out there because he's a pretty cool cat. So thanks for tuning in, David. That's awesome. It's the person who yeah. just goes out there and does it. Even though there's yeah, that fear of rejection, the fear of the what if, he just makes it happen. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's, you know, I think there's something that, you know, you, you know, folks like us, we get on these platforms and we talk, right? We might get on, we get on stages and we talk. And I think people in the audience sometimes get down this path. Well, I didn't go to prison. You know, I didn't have a bankruptcy and a divorce. So, you know, I can't push myself in that way. But that fear, I think if you, you've been in those scary places, you're just letting them still rule you, right? That fear of rejection comes out. And feel people allow that, like, well, I don't measure up that way. So I don't need to work that hard. You know, thank God I didn't have to go do that. But there's so much comfort in just coasting. How do we get out of that coasting? Yeah, I think the idea of coasting is we're in this place to where we're comfortable. And this stems from fear. It's the fear of what if I change? What if I fail? What is grandma going to say about me? What are my parents going to say about me? What are my friends going to say about me? And it becomes this process of comparing ourselves to what the what ifs. And this is a, a process called catastrophizing. And when we do this, we start thinking about the worst case scenario possible that could happen, which puts us in this prison. It puts us in this place where we're unable to move forward because we're so afraid of actually doing it because we're afraid of what the repercussions are. And so I think if you're in this place to where you're stuck and you're stagnant and you're afraid to move forward, what you have to do is recognize that there's other scenarios at hand. Something I do with clients a lot when they get stuck like this, and they don't think they can move forward is we, we open up a sheet and we call it the catastrophizing sheet. So step one is to write down what's the worst case scenario. Yeah, everything fails. The world ends. A comet hits the planet. It's over. Scenario two, what's the best case? Oh, well, everything works out. I finally get out of this thing. I don't have this job or my business grows. And life is good. What's the probable scenario? Well, probable scenario is it's probably going to work out, but it's going to take some time. It'll take some effort. And at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter what people think of you. And so when we can shift our mindset from the catastrophizing aspect of everything's bad and horrible and the worst that could happen is going to happen 
Two, here's the scenarios. We shift from a, an emotional framework to a logical framework, and we're, we're able to self-analyze the situation to recognize and understand that it's not going to be as bad as you're thinking it is. And it's not going to hold you back, and people aren't going to judge you, because guess what? Every person on the planet wishes they could actually do what you're doing. They just refuse to because they're in the same exact place as you. And we always compare ourselves to other people. And ultimately, because of that, every one of us stays stuck. We live in this world to where everybody cares about everybody else except themselves. Mm-hmm. Yep. I can raise my hand right here. I'm one of those people. I'll put myself last all the time. And only up, and through, up until this year, I've been focused on making sure that I'm in, I'm in the best spot possible to help even more people. So uh, that catastrophizing plan so I think folks, a lot of folks can work through those exercises in their head. Is is the secret in getting it down on paper? 100%. And so a lot of the stuff that I talk about, I learned it in college because my mother suffered from bipolar disorder. So I, I really got deeped in understanding cognitive behavior therapy, acceptance and commitment therapy, and really understanding these psychotherapeutic modalities. And I was lucky enough to have a friend who was a doctor in clinical psychology to mentor me and, and really help me understand and work through this kind of stuff as well. And I think the secret to a lot of this is writing it down. After a while, you can kind of go through it in your brain, but in the beginning, it's really challenging because it's all fumbled and jumbled and all over the place. But the second you start writing it on paper, for some reason, it becomes real. And that's why journaling become, can become so powerful. And for me, I'm not a huge fan of like just writing positive affirmations because it pretends like the negative doesn't exist. But when we write things down, like catastrophizing in the scenarios, it really helps us outline and create that logical thing right there in front of us. Yeah, yeah. That's a great exercise. I think everybody should kind of rewind the last four or five minutes and really listen to that, that worst case possible scenario, the very best case scenario. And then what's down the middle? What, what's likely to happen? The probable scenario. And then identify those steps to get there really aren't all that scary. They're certainly not nearly as bad as the catastrophe, but you know, what if they are as good as the best possible scenario? That would be a pretty cool thing to have happen for yourself. Let's, uh, so those reels, we're going to kind of spin back there. And then I want to dig in in our pre-show. You talked about, I believe it was three pillars uh, around selling. So I want to really give you some time to talk about that because it's very interesting. But you, so you do these reels and you get tens of millions of views. So was that planned? And, and then what happened on the other side of that? Yeah, good question. So I did this first reel, that 15.9 million view, and it just skyrocketed a lot of my stuff on my account. And for me, I'm really about tweaking and adjusting and modifying and just trying different things. Like I'm in a funk right now on my Instagram. But back when I hit that, it was a system that I started working with. It was find trending audio. It was make figure out a quote that I think this was a Jay Shetty conversation. Take that quote, put text on it, and then make it a memorable scene. And I replicated that three times over. And first one was 15 million. Second one was like 7 million. Third one was like, I think somewhere around 700,000, maybe less. But ultimately what that did was it, it boosted my Instagram. I think I grew like 50% overnight. And I had just hundreds of thousands of, of comments. I had hate comments. I had happy comments. Apparently some people don't like Buddha, I figured out. And mm. most of the comments were great. Interesting thing about the the one in front of the house with my daughter, a lot of people like that because it looks like Breaking Bad. So people were, is that Breaking Bad? Is that the Breaking Bad scene? Uh, so the, and then what happened after that was I got a ton of DMs and I got a ton of people like clicking on the links in my bios. And ultimately it grew our business quite a bit as a result. So I, I think those instances created 
a snowball impact. And because I was already prepared, I already had the links in my bio. I already had call to actions. I already was posting content regularly. And then after that first one, I replicated the system and I did it again. Then after the second one, I replicated the system and I did it again. And then it worked again and again and again over and over and over. And and now I'm in a position where I'm tweaking and adjusting and trying to modify and figure out what's going to work now. But ultimately, I think the process of figuring out that kind of stuff is a process of figuring out, okay, what does the algorithm want? And for me, it was, okay, trending audio. Why trending audio? Because there's a ton of eyeballs on it. Those things have a ton of reels attached to it. Instagram's going to feed that to the to the feed higher because it's already a reel. Now it's a reel attached to trending audio. So now you have double the engagement. Then we find a memorable quote that people can connect to from their best interest. Then we have a memorable scene that makes people feel happy and cozy. And now you have something that creates a likability factor, a shareability factor, and a factor that it's not spammy or gross. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. And you know, again, rewind the last few minutes. If you're in sales, Chandler just gave you the game, at least the most more recent game, because all that stuff can change, which is why it's important to not stagnate, not get comfortable. But you said yourself, you studied what was happening, studied what's working now and put it in, put that plan into place. And, you know, I would think, you know, you could do that. You know, some people don't want to show their kids on social media. Okay. That's your choice. Um, but you could, you could follow that formula in your place of work. I mean, if you're a roofing salesman, get up on a roof and do a, a great inspirational quote with an amazing sunset in the background. That's probably going to get some juice behind it. Uh, if you're in cars, you could do it in front of a cool car on your lot. Um, you know, there's, there's all kinds of ways to apply what was just shared. Uh, I'm actually thinking right now, I have my team working. Um, we've got a process. Uh, to talk about, you know, various things that people ask, like what are the F- frequently asked questions and really what are the should ask questions? And so we're producing this content. I've got my VA team spitting it out. Um, the one thing we're not doing though is putting trending audio to it. We're doing kind of a finished produced upload. I'm wondering if we shouldn't tweak that. That's interesting. I'll have to check that out and try it. We'll only know if we try, right? Exactly. I probably did 500 reels before I hit those. So it's, and that's the scientist person in me. I went to biochem school. And so all that was, was test, hypothesize, adjust, test, hypothesize, adjust. If it works, break it. If it doesn't, try again. And that's all. That's Well, well, and who many, how many people, who many people, <laughs> how many people um, are willing to do 500 reels? Yeah, most people give up. Truthfully. It's yeah. that fear of rejection. I did three, nobody liked it. I'm done. Instagram's stupid. The algorithm hates me. No, not really. Right. You're catastrophizing. Let's go through the scenarios and then let's just keep doing it. Sometimes it, I call this like just, it's the dumb pathway. You just got to be dumb enough to keep doing it until it works. And, and I tell a lot of people that, why, why did things work out for you? Because I was just too dumb to stop trying. And eventually I figured it out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, our, my friend Dave, who, who chimed in, you know, I wouldn't say he's a dumb individual, but man, he was a determined individual, you know, because he saw what, he saw what life would be like because he had that taste. He had that taste in prison. And when he got out, prayed to God, said, please just, it, 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 he, he has a very cool story. So I'm not going to rob it of him because he deserves to tell his own story. But he asked for that. He asked for that opportunity. It was placed in front of him. It wasn't pretty. It wasn't easy, but man, he took it. And so I think if, you know, to put a little bow on this part of our conversation, Sit back and ask yourself that question. Is this an opportunity in front of me right now or, or, or not? And, and if, if you think it's not, ask yourself why? Because 
probably is. You just may not see the end, but it is the start. Exactly. So in our pre-show, we're talking about these pillars around sales. And I really want to give you some time to kind of unpack all of them. So you are big on compassion and compassionate conversations um, and using those conversations through selling. So I'm going to turn the floor over to you to share these pillars. Uh, So let's dig in. If I have questions, I'll interject. I like it. Let's do it. So when I look at sales, there's three main aspects that I look at. Number one is detaching from the need to sell. And the reason I say that we need to detach from the need to sell is because sales and even business ownership is very commission-driven. You own a business, you get paid off the profit of your business, off the revenue that you produce. If you're in a sales position, you get paid off the commissions that you earn. But if you show up in an extreme place of need, for example, at, at a car dealership, if you walk on the dealer and they're like, what can I do to get you to buy today? Well, nothing, because now I'm not going to buy because you want it so bad. And that's human nature. When a person wants something, imagine dating. You find someone on, on Tinder or whatever your fading, favorite dating app is, and you meet the person, but you don't stop texting them. They're going to run away because you're needy. They don't want that neediness. Human beings, we need to chase each other. So whoever's doing the chasing is the person who's not going to get the reward. So we have to think about this in sales. When I show up on a call, sometimes I tell people to think about an, an exercise we call leaves on a street. Because often you go, you, you show up to the call, you have anxiety, you're a little bit nervous, you're not sure if you're going to make the sale, you probably need the money. So what we do is we just close our eyes 10 minutes before the sales conversation starts. We imagine there's leaves on a stream. And as the leaves are passing by on the stream, we put the emotions we're feeling on the leaves and we watch them pass by. We don't fight them. We don't think about it. We just let them pass by. If they come back, we put them back on a leaf. And we let this flow for 10 minutes because what we're doing is we're allowing our emotions to be there. We're not fighting them. We're not pretending like they don't exist. We're just sitting with it. We're simmering in it. We're allowing ourselves to become a little bit stoic before we step into this conversation. So when you have this conversation with another human being, they feel like you're there to really connect with them. They don't feel like you need the sale. And ultimately, they end up liking you as a result because now you've shifted their dynamic. They expected to get on the call and get attacked and harassed and objection handled and all this stuff. And when you don't do that, it flips the entire game upside down. I love that. I love that your your process allows people to feel those those fears, those emotions of rejection, that anxiety. I really like that. Chris is an amazing producer. I was half expecting him to quick pull up a video of leaves on the stream, but that was pretty specific. So we'll let him slide. Um, <laughs> but Chris is fantastic producing our show. If you ever need anything podcasting wise, certainly reach out to him. He's in our show notes, Chris at castahead.net and castahead.net is his site. Um, real quick, if you're liking what Chandler is thrown down. We, I'd love a review, a subscribe to our show. Uh, but specifically, if you like that first pillar um, that he shared, DM him on his socials. We have those in the show notes here on the live streams on YouTube, LinkedIn, and Facebook. Um, or if you're picking this up on audio, it's at Chandler uh, underscore SAF, DM Salesy, and he'll get you the link to this free training that he has to, to further what he's sharing with us today. So again, DM salesy to at Chandler underscore A-S-A-F and, uh, or click where you're watching this and it'll get you right to what we have on screen. But uh, no, I love that being present, being in the moment. You know, uh, sometimes that's hard. I have in our process at the store, uh, we call it our sleep assessment. 
And, you know, it's a tool. It's a tool to shift gears because in a small business, um, you do have people doing multiple things, right? Like our sales team also functions uh, in dual role as some of our operations and some of our back-end customer service and customer five-star experience points. Uh, and so you're in the midst of that. You might be reaching out to somebody to schedule delivery and then in comes a customer. How do you make that shift? And so we may not have 10 minutes, but we have a tool. We have a tool which grounds us into, let's get to the point of affirmation with our customers. Let's make sure that what we're showing them is the best fit for their needs. And we just revert to that tool. So I think, I think we're kind of talking about the same thing. It's just a little different modality of getting there. Um, so what's the second pillar? Yeah. So the second pillar is what I call the art of the challenging leader. So one place that's re- severely lacking in sales typically is leadership. Because a lot of us, we're, we're taught to ask questions, but people are only asking questions to get someone to make a sale and to ultimately get them, get their cash in hand. But the problem with that is you're not establishing leadership. If you establish leadership in a sales call with a human being, you're not going to get objections at the end because they trust you. People will follow people that they believe in. People will follow people that they like. And if you can establish that no like and trust factor with people early on, it's no longer an objection handling process at the end because they trust that what you're recommending to them is exactly what they need. And that's what we really need to focus on. And so when I look at the art of the challenging leader, it's recognizing that people are going to show up with different problems and issues, and that's okay. But for me, I need to challenge them on it in an appropriate and compassionate and caring way. For example, if someone walks into a health, say someone gets on a call for a health business and they're like, well, I've tried 45 different diets and I've been overweight most of my life and it's been a a struggle. Okay, well, walk me through who, who you live with, what's going on in your life right now. Well, I have five kids and my husband. Oh, okay. Obviously, your kids aren't supportive. They don't care. Kids just eat whatever they want. There's no way to control them. But let's talk about your husband. When you go on diets and when you do these processes and these practices, is he supportive or is he oblivious? Oh, he's oblivious. Gotcha. Well, I mean, that's a little bit of a concern. I, I'm just not convinced you can be successful without the support of the person who's be the, supposed to be the most supportive in your life. Right. That's a challenging moment. I'm not being a jerk. I didn't say you need to get your husband on the call and buy with both of you. And otherwise, you're not going to be able to do this thing. I just, I challenged them. I told them exactly what they needed to hear that nobody's actually willing to tell them. And I dropped my tone when I do it. I'm, I just want, I stutter. I, I just, I want you to know that if he can't be supportive, I'm not sure if there's a way to be successful. And I'm not saying this to be mean or, or, or a jerk. I just really want to see you successful and I really see how it's not happening. So what did that do? It challenged them in a way to where they've never been challenged before. Now that person shifted from the problem is diets to I don't have support at home and I can't be successful without that support. I love that. Uh... I love that pillar, adding a little bit of challenging leadership into the sales process. I haven't heard a phrase that way before. I've had a lot of these kinds of conversations, both here on the show and in real life. Well, this is real life, but outside the show, what other areas of life? Chandler, welcome to Not Real Life Podcast Show. Virtual. Yeah, right. We're in the metaverse. Is, yeah, we're, yeah we're, we're doing it. <laughs> yeah, um, we're in Facebook, no, I, man. Yeah, no, but I love, I love that phrase of adding challenging leadership into uh, the sales conversation. And I mean, you're 100% spot on. Uh, if, if everybody at home, or at least the leaders at home, mom and dad, spouses, partners, 
if they're not together on this weight loss thing, I mean, if they're not together on budgeting, you know, if they're not together in the direction of, okay, we're going to send our child to school. What are the things that, you know, what are the behaviors we're going to accept? What are, what are the commitments we're going to accept? If we're going to start a sport and we don't like it, are we going to allow the child to quit? Like you have to have that united front on any one topic. Um, I really love that. And, and it is, it is a, it is a compassionate place to come from because you do want to, you know, with your programs, you do want to see, you know, in that case, you do want to see people succeed and lose some weight. You do want to see them uh, feel better, reduce that stress, anxiety, whatever those things were that you uh, helped people with. I really like that, the challenging leadership aspect. Any other examples that you want to share there? Because that's like, you got my mind spinning. Yeah, good question. So the main things that we look at with being a challenging leader, number one, if spouses aren't on the same page, it's going to be, a, a it's never going to work. Number two, what we have to challenge them on are feelings of not being able to complete the task from triggers that happened in the past. So often when I when I talk to people, let's take health as an example again, they'll say, well, I can't, I can't lose weight. Okay, well, why do you think you can't lose weight? Well, I just, I've tried 47 different diets. Gotcha. How long has this been going on? Uh, well, since I was a kid. Okay, well, walk me through what happened back then. Well, when I was growing up, we uh, we always ate at the dinner table together. I had to finish my whole plate, blah, 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 blah. Okay, well, that's a bit of a concern. Why would my childhood be a concern? Well, if you had to eat your whole plate as a kid every day, I think you might have a pattern of overeating. And unfortunately, no diet in the world is going to work for you unless that pattern can be resolved. Yep. I'm one of those guys. For me, it was uh, my great-grandmother, Depression era. She grew up. <clears throat> and I would always ask her, why do you save <clears throat> why do you save food and tinfoil in your fridge, Grandma? She's like, well, we grew up when you know, food was hard to come by, so we'd save it. And she was one of those, you got to eat everything that's on your plate, right? And so I've, I've taken that over and I've, I've watched, uh, been really cognizant of that as of late, um, especially. So real, real interesting that you bring that specific example up. Um, kind of a, kind of a confirmation from the universe that I'm on the right path there. Um, on a personal level. Um, all right. So I love, I love all that. What's the third pillar? Yeah. So the third pillar is what I call level five listening. And so part of the process of being good at sales and just being a good human being is listening. But we can't just listen to listen. We have to learn what I call the empathetic style of listening. So when we think about this, level one is just ignoring someone. Like you're talking and I'm off back there doing whatever. And I'm not listening to anything you say at all. Level two is I'm kind of listening, but I'm on my phone. I'm over here like on Instagram and you're talking. I'm like, yeah, huh, whatever. Yep, yep, uh huh. And then you ask me a question like, wait, well, what'd you say? Because I wasn't paying attention. I was kind of pretend listening. Level three is I'm listening, but I'm only listening because I need to give you a response. Think about political conversations. Mm. Someone says, Republicans did this. And if I'm liberal or something, then my response is, yeah, but you're, you're stupid because you're Republican. I didn't listen to anything they said. I could care less about what they said. All I wanted to do is get my piece out there. Unfortunately, right. that's how most people listen. Level four is listening like, hey, Republicans did this. Oh, okay. Well, why do you think they did that? I didn't get offended. I just asked a question about it. Level five, though, is where we step into empathetic style of listening. You start to recognize and understand that there really is no right or wrong. There is no 
Republicans are right, Democrats are right. There's whatever someone grew up with that creates the reality of the world they live in that they believe to be true. Who am I to tell them that's wrong? I need to check my ego and recognize that I need to approach conversations from their best interest. I need to recognize where they came from, how they think, why they think the way they do, and approach these conversations in a way to where I can connect with them based on that. So in like a, a sales conversation, if someone says, well, I just, I just, I just don't have any money. Oh, gotcha. And it's not like, well, you're stupid because you spend all your money in dumb places. It's, well, okay, well, walk me through that. Why do you think you don't have it? Well, I, I did this and that. Okay. Well, what happens when, when you need to go out? What happens when you have an emergency? What happens over here? Talk to me a little bit about kind of what was money like growing up? If I can work through and understand what their situation is and how they grew up and why they believe what they believe, now I'm in a place where I can approach the conversation. I can be a challenging leader from their best interest. So everything that I talk about leads them into believing that I am here for them and that I am here for their best interest and that they can respect and understand what I say and they'll follow my lead. There's that challenging leadership thing again. I really like that. That's a really great um, theme, I think, for folks to think about as they leave our conversation. Um, and 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 listening. And, you know, I think level three you said is listening to provide an answer. Like, I'm just listening to go through the motion because I'm going to get out what I need to get out. And it's exactly. going to be, be like shouted over top of you, said over top of you obviously over top of you to get my point out. And hopefully you'll just agree to that. Like a verbal chicken wing, I'm putting you in and I make you say uncle, right? Um, exactly. Yeah. I love, I love that listening. You know, we, in, in our, in our retail business, I know we often ask when people say, well, I don't like, I don't want any, don't, don't even bother showing me any of those Tempur-Pedic mattresses as an example. And a lot of folks in our industry would say, would immediately default into the feature benefit discussion that the sales rep trained them on last week. Yeah, our Insta customers, other customers said this, but what we found... <laughs> right, right. Instead, we just say, tell me, okay, not a problem. Tell me about your experiences online. What's that been like? And more often than not, it's, it's a friend, a family member, a coworker that had a bad experience that had an experience maybe that they don't want um, that might've been good, but just not for them. And it's, it's that immediate ask, that immediate better question and response that that gets, you know, kind of peels back the, the layers of the onion, the defenses, and they just get to say what their experience has been. And then just follows down a path. Tell me more about this. Tell me why that's important. Tell me why you don't want that. And it really just gets down to the, the truth. I love that challenging leadership aspect, though. I've never heard it said that way. I'll say it again. I like it. Really like what you're putting down. So if you like what Chandler's got, um, he does have a gift for you, which some of my guests have. So I appreciate that. For my listeners, you can DM Salesy to his social channels at Chandler underscore SAF. Again, we've got them in the links here if you're checking this out on social and in the show notes on audio, um, <clears throat> courtesy of our great producer, Chris, who's produced the show today. Cast Ahead's info's in the show notes too. Um, so check that out. So when they when they get that, you're going to send them a free training. Uh, just as we look to wrap up our time, what what's going to be the outcome of that? What do they get? 
Yeah. So basically what it is, it's just the entire nine-step framework of how we detach from the need to sell, what the art of the challenging leader actually looks like, and the process of level five listening. So it's essentially what I call a sales framework that you're going to get, my entire framework for sales. Not necessarily a script, because I feel that we need to be able to actually speak from our own person, but you'll get the entire framework that's mapped out into nine steps that can help someone master this sales process and not feel manipulative, not feel aggressive, or not feel salesy when you're talking to customers and consumers. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. So that's, uh, we've been showing that on the screen. The, the link's a little long, so it's probably just easier to direct message Chandler. Again, DM Salesy, and he'll uh, he'll get this link back to you. It's certainly uh, here uh, on the screen. We've had it. If you want to type it out, you could. But uh, my guess is if you pick this up afterwards, it'd just be easier to DM him. Um, so that's really great. Chandler, I've really appreciated your time today. Great conversation. Uh, anything to share with people as we part um, that you would want to uh, leave them with? Yeah, one last thing. I, I think we live in a world where we're all afraid. Everybody lives in a place of fear because we're worried about the what ifs. What if it doesn't work? What if it doesn't make sense? What if people laugh at me? What if they call me stupid? But just recognize that if everybody lives in that place, we live in a pretty stagnant world. And the few people who can step outside of that, who say, who cares? I'll face it. If it's, if it's a problem, it's a problem. If it's an issue, it's an issue. But I'll step forward and I'll build exactly what I want to build. Those are the people who ultimately become the most successful. Those are the people who build the empires. Those are the leaders of the world. In order to be a leader, in the beginning, you have to step into a bit of ridicule. You have to look, maybe stupid. You have to do something that's against the norm and challenge it. That's ultimately how you not only grow what you're building, but you grow as a person. Every time we step into those zones and those places of uncomfort, that puts us in a new state of life. It allows us to shed who we were and step into who we're becoming. And I think that's exactly what we need to do to become excellent. Love it. I think that's a great spot to end. Focus on that becoming of excellent. Follow those steps that Chandler just shared with you. Chandler, I really appreciate your time today. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you for joining. Thanks Thanks for being on the show. Yep. Yep. Uh, we'll see you all next week on the big ticket life. Uh, I want you to go out there, do life and business on your terms, take up Chandler's challenge. What if you just stepped away from all those things you're fearing, stepped into that place of just not caring about what those fears may or may not be. Don't catastrophize it. Just get out there and go do it. We'll see you next week on the big ticket life. Take care. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode of The Big Ticket Life. You've heard from another amazing guest living their own big ticket life, and now it's time to live yours. First, I'd love for you to take me up on my free gift to you. Find your gift at gift.bigticketlife.live. That's gift.thebigticketlife.live. See, all your life you've been told what is and what is impossible by the loudest voices from the cheapest seats. It's time to finally do life and business on your terms. Sure, you've heard similar things, but without clarity on what can be done, it's easy to have your customers, employees, maybe even partners, and your spouse keep you from truly living a big ticket life. My big ticket methods shift you into that investor seat, in your business, away from commodity and away from competition, into a market of one, so you can finally live your own big ticket life. So my gift to you is for you to book your discovery call today where we'll uncover first the Chivo behaviors, those chief everything officer behaviors, 
that hold you back and why moving into the investor seat in your own business is critical. Two, we'll uncover the premium position that's up for grabs right now in your market that you're missing out on. And three, which big ticket methodologies are just waiting to be dropped into your business to explode your sales and profits. So again, thanks for listening to this episode. I'd love for you to take action right now, accept this gift, book your call, go to gift.thebigticketlife.live. Again, that's gift.thebigticketlife.live.